retention, user engagement, automation, personalization, data structures, models. This is all still new. Retention is a longer cycle, I think, you know. The whole idea of getting the buck for your money is not something that would start immediately. Something interesting about the enterprise side of the world where they seem to move slowly but more surely. Now investors are also asking some of these questions. So I think they need to have a, a, a retention tool uh, out there. Welcome to one more episode of the State of Retention Marketing Podcast. This is a conversation where I invite people from the product, marketing, and in general retention ecosystem to help us demystify the what, why, and how of user engagement and retention. Today, I have with us Keur. Keur has been with us Web Engage for the last eight years. Almost. Yeah. So pretty much seeing the whole world of user engagement evolve in India as uh, the startup ecosystem has matured, as well as the enterprise ecosystem is moving towards digital transformation. Thank you for doing this, Keur. Glad to have you here. Thanks, Ankur, for calling me out over here. So maybe a good idea for us to you know, quickly run through your journey over the last eight years and how you've seen the world transform uh, from the whole user engagement and retention play. Really, Keur, over to you. Yeah, I think you know I've seen small shifts but yeah if we just cover the entire eight year journey that i've been with web engage and you know seen uh, the whole retention ecosystem evolve i compare it that where we started or where even customers were uh, it's a dramatic change that i see over a period of time now where people still needed to be educated about things like even journey designer or you know orchestration and they need multi channel to how they structure teams things have pretty much evolved now now it's like a norm that they require a retention automation mm. ecosystem per se out there they make sure that they have teams that are pretty structured now as opposed to someone from say an acquisition team or performance team actually doing retention out there to actually having retention specialists within their yeah. team CRM manager out there so all of these are roles that mm. have also evolved over a period of time mm. lot more has changed I think not just from people team standpoint but even their maturity how they think and even the kind of talent that's now available I'm, I'm sure there is more room to improve but uh, you know uh, in general making sure that there's a lot of education around things. So I think, you know, it has, it has gotten better over a period of time. So it's taken a fair bit of time to kind of create the category, so to speak, because this whole subject of user engagement and retention, in, as you said, was mm. pretty much new. People didn't even understand the why of it to begin with, maybe. Right. And now there seems to be at least that understanding that this is necessary and needed and all of that. Right. right. So, and, you know, that brings me to the whole thread around how the whole value proposition of what the stack like this, like a engagement stack or an retention stack can do for a business, how do you attach a quantified dollar value to it, an ROI to it? Is it like infrastructure like AWS that you must have? Or is it a lot more than that which has a revenue implication? I think it's somewhere in between. Like a lot more companies just think about it like that they need to invest. Probably it might also be FOMO that might be driving them that, you know, I can't be not having a retention tool. But Considering even, you know, the D2C ecosystem, for example, I think, you know, now investors are also asking some of these questions. So I think they need to have a retention tool uh, out there. So that's the kind of investment that they are also looking for. And retention definitely starts taking a play once they go for certain rounds, you know, and above, I think. So there is that maturity that comes and probably even a force, Hmm. so to say. Uh, from the investment community that you need to focus on retention early in their life cycle rather than picking it late. And uh, definitely enterprises definitely see a lot more value. I think they are they are very much 
like when they talk about them getting into to any of those offers it's a very informed decision it's a you know they need to take a larger buy in as well to move things in enterprises is definitely difficult but once they are you know bought in then they go the full all it mm. won't be that they would do a half hearted job over there i think you know the kind of governance calls that i've seen on some of the enterprise conversations are pretty mature and they they are pretty serious once they buy in into an e software they will make sure that the entire adoption is being done correctly uh, you know having say platform teams at center sometimes they would own the whole adoption probably until it goes to a bau and then hand it over to the business teams so that's a very evolved mature life cycle that they would see as opposed to you know the smaller companies possibly mm. you know just having certain people probably uh, over there from an roi standpoint i think not everyone is has got it there yet i think people just think about if i'm putting x dollar can i get 10x can i get 20x for example and they want in in most cases at least uh, where you know it's a couple of founders uh, led organization smaller organization they want it very quick i think retention is a longer cycle i think you know the whole idea of getting the buck for your money is not something that would start immediately you will start seeing some value definitely but you need to persist you need to keep doing some of those experiments it's not like you know you just run a startup and venture journey and then you will get you know your dollars out out there definitely you may you know if you are at a very poor state of uh, retention so far in general you know you need to go beyond that you need to keep evolving you need it's a consistent effort that will pay off over a period of time and definitely you know the way we keep saying that you need to look at blended roas rather than just looking at what you get out of uh, retention tool individually how much is it paying off i'm sure that if you start connecting the dots from acquisition to retention and then look at what the value prop is it becomes a much more uh, you know better roi and the way you you know foresee how you also put in your money in the acquisition side of things uh, a lot of lot more things change accordingly sure so you know i would delve into the whole maturing uh, in a certain fashion when you spoke about this seems to have become a category which is accepted that we need it but still from a perspective of infra like aws where we must have retention stacks but we don't necessarily see this in the revenue scheme of things and that's where the roi math whether it's how you do attribution in ga versus how you do attribution in other systems how does someone put the right value to it you know because if you're investing x money with us on the platform level they'd expect 5x 10x out of it is that the right lens to look at it what is the right lens to look at value still sticking on to features over here but i think there are some cool things to just do if you are want to actually know whether there is roi coming out or not there are things like universal control groups uh, which essentially remove certain population does not influence them at all possibly if you can do it across your stack including advertising then you know you get a lot more better sense might be difficult but at least at a platform level like web engage you can actually introduce a universal control group keep some 5% population aside to just test the roi i think you will get that that roi equation solved in the first month itself and then you can do this exercise once again after a year's time after 6 months possibly to just see whether you know whatever baseline you had established mm-hmm. out there is actually true still or not because over a period of time things would change sure but that would at least give you a very good sense in terms of how your roi is being delivered hmm. because that portion 5% of the audience that you kept aside is not being sent any communications uh be it retention any of those communications per se and you exactly know how the 95% versus 5% is behaving um, that's a very quick easy way to measure your roi and definitely if you don't want to do that then you stick to one attribution tool because you know whether it's ga whether it's web engage whether it's some other tool 
but the idea would be you stick to one tool to establish baselines, you change, you experiment with some of those uh, campaigns that you're doing, and then you measure in the same tool again, how much is it giving? Because if you, you know, move across tools, the way attribution works and the way they give weightages to different things would, would slightly change. And then, mm. you know, you can't compare, you know, your GA is giving you X revenue and, you know, your tool out here is giving you a Y revenue. And then you keep saying to the provider or, you know, internally to your folks as well, why is it X and why is it Y? You know, it's just the way it would work out there. But... You just need to make sure how is it moving from X to X1 to X2 and Y2, Y1 to Y2 and just keep that as the baseline and then keep looking at how things are moving. Yeah, so you spoke about Universal Control Group and you know, as a retention marketer from before, I thought that was a fairly obvious thing. But in terms of the consumer's understanding of how this is the true way of measuring ROI, is it super obvious yet? Or do you still think there's a, a certain learning curve involved there? No, there's definitely learning curve. I think, you know, there are more, it, it's not just universal control group. We have more such things internally out there. There are control groups, there are custom control groups. So I'm sure that, you know, there are variations. I think just a few weeks back, I think we met a customer in Bangalore. I think uh, me, Ankit, we, we were in a one, one of the conversations. That customer was pretty mature. Actually, they, they exactly knew that they don't want to do universal control groups per se because then, you know, you leave that audience out forever. You know, that's that's very criminal in terms of, you know, you almost losing that customer base and that yeah. also would possibly, you know, impact uh, the kind of, there would be some kind of prejudice that would come in over a period of time, I think, if you mm. keep that uh, set of consumers away. So I think the, you know, solution given was using custom control groups, uh, which are more periodic, you keep it like... Uh, once in 15 days, 15 days, 15 days, you keep changing your control groups, possibly or months a month, so that you at least know that how your control groups are behaving versus the target group. And then, you know, you change it once again after a period of time and then again measure that. Fair. Uh, you know, so in that sense, now, if this is the approach to be taken where uh, the entire onus of squeezing value out of a platform ends up being actually on the team because a tool is a tool and their advice is an advice, but ultimately the execution still remains in the hands of the customers and his teams, right? I wouldn't uh, say yes to that completely. I think, you know, as providers, we are equally uh, have our skin in the game, I think. And that's where teams like customer success come into picture. Not just customer success, the broader umbrella of, you know, success orgs that come into picture. And our game would be education in some form like mm. what we have seen as best practices across the board is what sure. we we need to bring out over there we are we are responsible in some form to make sure that they derive ROI and more importantly they keep experimenting something new that we have seen in the industry um, i'm sure that you know uh, be it any say let's just take travel and you know where it started from a search abandonment to actually upsell cross sell some of the other things we have seen this whole cycle uh, with multiple players and you know or even in edtech or fintech so we have those experts that are sitting out there and who have been seeing this industry evolve over a period of time. Like while I might have spent eight years, I'm sure that you know some of uh, the folks in our teams have spent enough years as well. And that's a collective wisdom that we own Absolutely. over a period of time. And uh, that's where we play a good, important role uh, to at least tell them what they can do, what they need to do, where they are at the maturity level, and what where they need to evolve eventually. Now, it's up to them on how quickly they want to go out over there and, you know, achieve those goals. That's where a lot of planning, you know, execution that comes into picture. And I can always give 10 different things to a customer, but, you know, I need to at least see out of those 10, are they even picking five things in a quarter? If that's not happening, then, you know, you can't keep asking me another 10 things every Absolutely. time that I meet you. 
because you have not even implemented the five that I've given you the last time. So this is precisely what I was trying to uh, understand better that in terms of the kind of mind share allocated to the whole subject of user engagement and retention, uh, given that uh, the whole industry was facing growth at all costs for a period of time, the appropriate mind share was, I don't know if it was well allocated from the kind of talent, the kind of hiring, the kind of resource allocation, uh, do not look at this as a pure cost structure basis, but also look at it from a value delivery basis. The whole understanding and appreciation of our category uh, in the customer's mindset at the right level of your, what's your impression? I think it's evolving. I mean, you know, I spoke about D2C where it's more investor-led, I feel. Otherwise, now at least I've seen founders actually talk retention pretty early on. I think probably a mix of it, you know, investor-led pressure versus uh, now the whole category maturing over mm. a period of time. Uh, to, you know, fairly established categories like travel or e-com where this has been now a need and a norm in general. People do understand that they need to do that. To edtechs, uh, you know, having their own waves again, you know, with, with COVID, I think we have seen different waves in different verticals as well. But everyone knows that, you know, it's necessary. Uh, now it's just how much they want to invest in, you know, resources, individuals, you know, or building teams or structures and processes around that, I think. No one would say no to getting more creatives than for acquisition, but that's a very big cost structure. Sure. I think, you know, it's it's all where the dollar goes the most, I think. As compared to acquisition, the dollar, mm. or dollar that they put in into retention is much, much less because, you know, it's that's just That's the point, right? <laughs> right. You spoke about blended ROAS, right? So, yeah. in effect, what I was trying to then develop into is this whole aspect of uh, campaign management, essentially what a lot of user engagement boils down to is communications right. and first-party data, the right. core of it, right? And this obviously, uh, the cost of doing this is way lower because you're not paying per click, you're not paying per impression and all of that. You're paying specifically for a set of communications sent out to users and within that also you have free channels like push notifications and web pushes and all of that, which obviously have a large share of the total comms that are going right. out. So on one side, you have this whole campaign performance kind of metrics. On the other side, you have the more retention-led metrics where are you sorting out your D30, your M7, and all of those metrics, right? And that's where there's also a bit of gap in terms of how customers look at the impact of what they're doing on either very campaign-led kind of metrics versus the larger organization-level, cohort-level, repeat-level metrics. I think it's more campaign-led uh, still. Mm. Uh, in fact, like when we meet customers, we actually sometimes end up asking them what is your reporting looking like, you know, when we talk about analytics uh, or even when we get requests from our customers, uh, it's mostly can you make this particular report in this format and it's largely just campaign-led format. Mm. It's not like they would ask me business reporting. There are, I think, 20% or maybe even less than that customers that would be actually be asking me that, you know, I want to see so-and-so matrices, which is largely, you know, retention-led matrices or, you know, how's my ARPU going up or down? You know, how do you see my, you know, retention cohorts moving uh, over a period of time? Those kind of conversations are pretty less still. Those are the mature customers, so to say, those who are asking the right questions and they want us to own beyond giving ideations as well. Those are customers who are more demanding and I love those customers in a way. I would, because I would think so, right? You know, so fundamentally, the fact that this is a high-impact potential play area and yet people don't seem to allocate the right level of energy to it because if you're saying they're still stuck on campaign metrics, which means they're not probably asking the real hard questions where right. business value can be delivered from a platform like ours or the success team that you run. And that's where I'm trying to zoom into that, you know, what are the good guys doing, which is working out well for them that they see 
this 20x ROI compared to a guy who's probably in his early days and not allocating his energies. You know, because we've seen sales cycles which run into months and people do those feature checklist comparisons with stuff that they'd probably never use. And once they've signed up, they don't necessarily follow through the entire ambition. And they're stuck with campaign metrics. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to zoom into this whole aspect of how to squeeze the most out of a platform or tool or system like ours, maybe including the success team, and who's doing a great job at it and what are they doing right? Definitely the way I mentioned, like enterprises know and they, they take a very cautious call while they might still start with a feature checklist. But at the end, even during their pre-sale cycle, I've been party to some of those uh, cycles as well. Um, they, are, they are asking some of the right questions. How does the deployment work? And that's equally a very important question, question as well. How long would it take for me to get going as well in my ecosystem per se? Mm. They might take the walk, you know, crawl and run kind of approach in most cases. But even if they take two years to get there where they start running, they are actually then, you know, sprinting after that. And they know that they would take that much time to get that digital transformation being done in th- their kind of ecosystems as well. So I-, I think that that's, you know, that's the way you should think about it. You should think something long term, like at least a year maybe where you want to be and then chart out, you know, what all changes you need to do maybe in the three months, six months and, you know, nine month kind of journey uh, to reach that 12 month milestone that you want to reach. Hmm. Uh, only then, you know, probably you will reach there. If you don't have that long-term vision, then, you know, you will, you will be lost midway uh, in most cases. So that, that would be my take in terms of how you want to plan uh, retention. Definitely, you look at your own maturity and then you benchmark where you want to be and then you work backwards towards that. And that's where you, you have a very solid plan in terms of how you want to go around, uh, you know, creating yourself, differentiating yourself as well. And it's mm. not it's not just about retention. I think, you know, it's about creating a good experience for the customer as well. Because as brands and as customers, you know, there are so many choices now the customer has. You know, if you don't engage well with them, you have lost the customer already. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's no more something that you can, you know, it's not, not, good not to have. have yeah, 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 yeah. It's absolutely. just a must-have. Must have. Right. Sure. So, you know, from a talent allocation perspective, and you've seen both sides of the world, so I'm, I'm going to break this down a little bit for the new economy side of things. Because Google Ads and Facebook Ads have been around for so long, people kind of know how to optimize them and do a good job there. But perhaps uh, retention, user engagement, automation, personalization, data structures, models, this is all still new in some sense. Right. And that, the right kind of question, the right kind of people to be executing these things itself is kind of new. So if you roll this up at the founder level where the why of caring about retention, even if that is addressed, the what and how of going about this still seems to be early days. Right. So how, again, what are the right people doing? What are they uh, doing right and how are they going about this? So it's very important to have someone who is techno-functional out there hmm. uh, defining the charter, defining you know the data structure, defining the model, defining how uh, the systems would talk to each other. And and it's not just during that. I think that's where a lot of people miss that. That they just include their product guys at the early days <laughs> when, when the integration is done, and then the product guy sits sits outside mm. of the ecosystem. That's not how it should work. Mm. Um, some of the best you know work that have been done on WebEngage as a platform by our customers is where product teams are also sitting on WebEngage mm. as a platform along with the marketing team. Without any offense to marketing, but yeah, there are certain things that product guys do well. That's what they need to also bring to the table as well to make it all, you know, come together. So the depth uh, of the platform is being well utilized when product teams are involved. And marketing has more leeway, you know, thoughts around 
how they want to communicate what they want to communicate leaving the you know how to's probably to the product and the tech teams and leverage what they have already built you know it's mm. it's always a build versus buy question i wouldn't just talk about retention as a entire mm. tool but you know even a small campaign uh, say replenishment for that matter a price drop why do you want to build it in house when you have a tool that can do it for you sure. and and lot more times it's about not knowing that this all can be done you know the mm. platform is pretty has pretty good depth it's just that you know if unless the two teams you know essentially tech product and marketing sit together and define their charter what they need want to do and then talk to us and then we can consult them that you know possibly you don't need to do this in house you can actually rely on a tool sure. you can might as well extract more value so on one side the founders have been now pressed by investors and the external ecosystem on taking retention as a component of growth more seriously the talent supply has gotten better but there's still room for more Definitely. the product managers need to be the part of the conversation not just in the integration stage but also in the deployment stage when it comes to uh, squeezing more value or delivering more right. roi out of the right. platform and that's where uh, the evolution seems to be that wherever right. there are product managers involved which is 20 30% of the scenarios right they seem to have a better outcome compared to the remaining bunch right but you mentioned something interesting about the enterprise side of the world where they seem to move slowly but more surely they have a more definitive play on this and is this to do with i mean the whole i mean while they have a certain velocity as well but the necessary sense of urgency i want everything tomorrow is not the case they have the patience to yeah, do yeah. a thorough job there definitely i think they have the patience and the process is also define a lot of things out mm-hmm. there so it's more always a part of a transformation initiative that we have seen some of these being utilized and we are sure. we are not just talking about personas or it's a consumer persona we are also talking about retailers distributors or you know a service guy a garage some of these other personas also that come into picture there are teams who are managing some of these metrics already mm. and most of the cases they use uh, you know certain tools for their analytics purposes their business reporting as well so they are already measuring in some form all of their metrics they you sure. know someone is already measuring with within webengage as a platform or some other platform but they are measuring their business metrics and they want to see the movement happen out over there so knowing what to measure and measuring it is the first thing i think yeah uh, and they 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 are they are there already plugging in some of these ecosystems uh, and even their choices of tools and you know uh while webengage probably can do a lot more like analytics cdp mm. you know uh, engagement things like those in their cases they might be very clear about the role that webengage might play mm. uh considering that if they already have a, a analytics stack that is you know built seasoned over a period of time they might choose not to use webengage's analytics stacks and they use uh you know the communication stack much more effectively as well but they then it's a cautious choice out over there that they know that this would be my analytics platform and this would be my engagement platform and this is where i do reporting and things like those and probably integrations might takes time and that's where the you know i i spoke about that you know being slow in the initial days but once they start picking up once they start seeing value they would double down on those uh, components and then go deep into that it's very interesting can you say this because about a month ago at engagement at uh, we were talking to nitin right from adani group and he had a very similar stance because he was saying that okay i'm okay to invest a little bit more upfront in my integrations but i know exactly how i've designed my stack what part of the stack does what 
and I've chosen the best guy for that particular subject. I don't want a single monolithic stack where there is one good thing, but then there are 10 other limitations with it. I'll assemble my stack. It might mean more integration time, effort, cost, but that's fine. Right? So that's a more mature way of looking at it. But you know what I would wonder is in the entire spectrum of uh, enterprises that we're talking about, the digital transformation is an ongoing effort slash necessity across several of them. But is everyone able to move equally fast or are there people who are still sitting on the fence or still deciding about what and how of it because funnily most marketers in that ecosystem also have never really seen MarTech. It's not their fault. They've been creative uh, brand marketers all their lives right. and now they've used agencies for a variety of things including performance marketing on Google and Facebook and now suddenly you have this entire uh, pressure to go digital across multiple things and MarTech being you know, one of those puzzles. Right. So how is that ecosystem build the org level play? What are the kind of people, stakeholders that you're dealing with on that side? Right. Before I dwell into the org level side, I think what I've seen is a good blend of new economy guys making the switch and going uh, towards the old economy. Sure. Is that uh, a good play from the org's perspective? Does that help? Yeah, I think at least they have seen those cycles in a new mm. economy. Maybe they need to adopt still on the process side and how sure. to bring in the change management in some of these organizations. But I know, you know, uh, some of the people who have made that switch and are actually doing a wonderful job when they have moved on and you know moved to the older legacy players per mm. se and they are bringing this change I think. Somewhere also is this an acknowledgement from the legacy company that guys we are going to need a bit of change of DNA because in our current way of thinking this is not something that's going to happen very easily. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's a, it's a good place to be for people who know retention I think. Uh, yeah. That's one, one <laughs> first course. thing definitely. Coming to your question in terms of what kind of people I think you know in most cases we are probably dealing with a chief uh, digital transformation officer okay. or maybe a, you know, a CDO. Mm. Uh, so to say, who, who are bringing about these kind of changes. And then they have probably a CPO, CTO also being aligned out there so that, you know, they are involved in the whole process. Uh, you know, none, none of these changes can happen without the tech blessing uh, sure. or a product blessing per se. And, uh, you know, CRM, while CRM might not be the terminology that they might use, but mm. yeah, uh, traditionally, the marketing teams are now having uh, some sort of retention expert uh, so to say, that comes in uh, as well. Uh, they might have seen some of these. Uh, I think the other day I was talking to one of the uh, major fintech players, I think. And they had gotten a guy whom we know back then who was working in a travel company, you know. So we are also seeing the switch happening uh, from different verticals as well. So, you know, might as well because they are, they are still sure. retention experts. I'm yeah. sure that they might need to learn a bit more about the business but you know that's still okay but because they know the tools mm, I think mm. uh, so those kind of switches are also happening and then you have that person actually champion the whole initiative making sure that they have seen those cycles in the past they have seen the pitfalls they have seen you know uh, the don'ts are much much more important I Absolutely. think you know more than the do's I think do's everyone would say but the don'ts are where it is and again Nitin itself I think had mentioned I, I remember the first conversation that I met him uh, once Adani had signed up with us, he had mentioned, you tell me what I shouldn't do. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but I think, you know, uh, it's important to have the right team, the right ingredients out there. Uh, and people know about it, I think. Uh, and they were, you know, again, uh, the case of Adani, they were very clear that whatever goes out, I need to be made sure that it's 100% accurate. Sure. So those were the asks that the team had put. Even if we are slow or late by a day, it's okay. 
but whatever goes as an end communication to the customer should be like accuracy can't be compromised you know so that makes me wonder in terms of when you say that you know the don'ts of this whole situation there are going to be mistakes because while some companies will be able to find this new economy guy who will come and run the show and who might have had some work this work done before but that supply is also not huge if you think about the new economy the whole subject of user engagement and retention hasn't been like the centerpiece for the last 10 years it's become recently a bigger topic so you will have people who understand digital marketing who understand funnels who understand some of the components of it but if this guy is going to get let's say para dropped into a larger organization which has a certain velocity of doing things and a certain bunch of stakeholders and a vested interest who have their own uh, reasons to hold back to existing ways he may or may not necessarily succeed he might have right. his own struggles right so if you're saying that uh, you know in case of adani at least what i saw is they've carved out an entirely new digital labs right. it's a 700 people team sitting out of a different office altogether does not necessarily have a great cultural overlap with the larger mammoth organization so that they're able to exercise a certain degree of freedom in that sense so from that sense on the value delivery side and we work with a fair bunch of organizations now the eureka forbes and the unilevers of the world but in your impression what are these guys doing which is working out well uh, at a people allocation level or the value delivery squeezing out level right so uh, you know it's important to get your guy right and give him the powers i think that's very important you know mm. as an organization so even for example some of the names that you mentioned while they are going through their digital transformation journey they have put a person probably from a new economy or they might have even cherry picked some people from the existing roles mm. but they have been given that power authority to make that change mm. they have been asked to pick their own teams the right teams that they want to make that change happen in the mm. organization as well and then comes the processes and you know everything else i think so mm. once you have the right people then you figure out what the change management would be and you know that's that's the hardest part definitely there would be resistance to change because that's a new way of thinking uh people would have would always say that this is already working why are you even disrupting this whole cycle so one of the large fintech players uh, probably in the lending space uh i remember their journey uh and it was very clear mandate that they had that they need to increase something called as a self serve rate now self serve rate is largely you know how people avail loans and they need to go without going through the call center now yeah. that's a problem statement that was put across to us as a company now imagine like you know while i can do communications but it was not just going until the communication layer but i had to actually analyze how their call center works as well mm. go beyond the digital means figure out how you know the phone conversations are happening with the customers look at data points on how the whole uh, you know different milestones how they go through those when is that the call center starts you know picking up and making calls and figure out in that time window what best we can do hmm. to improve self serve rate and this was not just an exercise on the communication side that we did we had product managers sitting alongside with us they are actually you know looking at the data points they are looking at not just the averages that are happening within the funnels but they are looking at percentile data they are looking at how is my 50th percentile looking how is my 75th percentile and how is my 90th, 90th percentile hmm. looking like in the same funnel and then i'm optimizing some of my product flows uh, probably bring in you know automated ways to do kyc just instead of a pan number i might go beyond that gst and some other things in case there are business loans and making sure that if those are the points where there is clogging that's happening because of which my call center starts calling i'll better the product as well experience as well 
So this is a very unique way of looking at this problem statement. You look at a problem statement, you don't look at that it's a retention problem. It's an organizational problem. Exactly what I was heading into that, you know, the moment you start affecting metrics in that fashion, that your self-serve rate is increased in a certain fashion, the number of calls coming in is reduced in a certain fashion. And there are so many other things that you could be affecting as a part of the solutioning process. I wonder how the ROI math would suddenly look like, you know, 500x or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, I think we probably doubled our billables uh, in a matter of and three, four months. Link because they ah, were happy with the they, outcomes, were, right? they were okay. They were perfectly okay. And that's where, you know, you, you look at business outcomes and you tend to deliver those. And then you align people for those business outcomes. It, it's, you know, whether it's marketing, product, tech, whoever it's, it's a business outcome. And, and a lot, many times I don't see people introspecting what they have done and not done, I think. You know, it's very easy to blame that the customer success guy did not give me five more ideas. Hmm. Uh, but it's very equally important to make sure that the customer success guy knows your business outcome. How can I change the business outcome if I don't even know that this is something that you are caring about? Uh, so, sure. it, it's a lot more discovery and a journey that we have to take together hmm. to first know what are the KPIs that are important and then trusting us to deliver on those KPIs as well. I think, you know, we have done a fair, again, this is always that 80-20 principle that sure. I want to see. There are these 20% customers who have been demanding. But, you know, those are the demands that we love to meet as well because... At least there is clarity out there that mm. they know that what they want. Mm. You know, not having that clarity is criminal in the first place. Fair enough. So, Kir, uh, now we've seen uh, consulting companies starting to build market practices because they seem to see this is a place where uh, the next bunch of dollars would go because all the acquisition money has already been mm. on the roll with spending, right? And once they've acquired all those customers, they need to find a way of keeping them, uh, retaining them, maximizing value from them. So, from a value delivered perspective and squeezing value out of a tool perspective, this whole team configuration, choice of partners, choice of consultants to do this with, maybe agencies to do this with. What's your reading of how the good guys are doing it right now? I'll give you one of the examples without naming the customer. I think sure. it's a, it's a uh, famous automaker uh, sitting in India uh, and exporting to the world as well. So they were very clear in their ask, you know. Um, they said, I'm, you know, I have a very lean team and I want to be that way only. I would expect you to send a person, sit in my office and do the work that's required. Okay. Plain simple. Because you know the tool better. I mm. think, you know, you know, not taking away anything from anyone out there. Uh, you know, I'm sure that everyone has their strengths. But I think, you know, that's where people are preferring uh, the technology providers to also give teams and that's where you know people have built these customer success teams so to say but I'm, I'm sure that you know uh, consultants would play their part in terms of analyzing data at a more macro level uh, dog level as well you know build out practices give give them so-called yarn and uh, you know how to lay out teams processes structures uh, so to say if it's being done top down I think that's more important hmm. uh, whether it's being done by an agency whether it's being done by a consultant or a technology provider on an SI hmm. it's more important that you know things are laid out top down and it's very clear in terms of what the organizational ask is and you know how you bring in change management across the board and and how how you go around those so at one extreme someone actually asking you know to send a person situated in their ecosystem itself and working along with them on those kpis on the other extreme people want to actually get trained the trainer workshops hmm. uh, actually you know train my folks two three hours or you know three days training as well 
that's okay you know we'll pay all the expenses you station someone for a few days make sure that you conduct some of these workshops we'll take as much value out of it make sure that we have some of these champions being created in the ecosystem itself and they will keep training the rest of the folks as well so there are these two extremes that i've seen someone who wants to go more self serve route and someone who doesn't want to build capacity mm. internally but would rely on extended teams extended people from the technology providers itself and actually you know building out uh, the whole uh, play and you know it's it's all about a choice and how things have worked for them yeah, i'm as wondering as you know have you seen a pattern in terms of what would result in a better outcome because it's not just about learning the tool right it's also about the part where you said about collaboratively understanding the problem statement and the kpi that you want to affect and what are the different dimensions of this because in some sense a guy sitting on the inside will need to probably access far out technology data and i wonder how effective or efficient it is to actually let somebody externally do this more importantly we also say it's not one person's job you mm-hmm. know so even if i have station one person in the ecosystem that person is more for access more for making sure that there are things that are moving internally as well and he knows whom to connect mm-hmm. where to connect and you know do things it's always a teamwork even within the success org that we have sure. built for example so we would have folks who would probably be you know the frontline uh, people who would talk to customers who would understand requirements you know articulate those well for internal teams to work be it a campaign management team be it an implementation or solutioning team or be it even our support teams or any other team that might be required to product or you know any one of those mm-hmm. as well um so you know even when some customers ask me that you know i know i need one person to just do entire webbing it i say that's not that i will give i'll sure. give you a person who can actually make sure that they are the entry point for you hmm. they will talk to you they will understand your needs they will get things done for you hmm. and that's how expertise is built sure. well, you know of course uh, that's how you look at you know even in within agencies i'm sure that there are some of these structures there are different campaign managers you know different people who understand data there are analysts no things like those hmm. the same applies while you even build an in-house team uh from a training standpoint we're going to the other extreme where where we talked about you know people who want to be more self serve per se what we end up doing is and it's it's a large part of our job is to tell them that you know this is how the workshop structure looks like but these are the kind of people that are required on these days and this session and these modules more reportedly so that you can build those expertise at the end i would if if you want to be self serve then you would have to build something that i would have built like teams within you know my larger team as well hmm. and that's something that i would expect you to build but then in that case i would conduct some of these sessions which are more relevant for certain teams and not relevant for other teams and then eventually you start building your own you know structures around it sure so in some sense the whole training and education will end up being a larger part of the equation as i understand from you but okay. in terms of uh, the expectation on time to value is there a big difference in terms of how a mature guy looks at it versus a new guy looks at it because you said that people are prepared to invest that time and effort to get this done right because they somehow have a decision in their head on where they want to be and it's okay if it takes a little longer vis-a-vis somebody who's still maybe trying to prove a case or trying to prove ROI to his management so they're trying to take smaller steps incrementally and discovering along the way as to if it is working for them or not i've seen extremes over there as well uh so to say someone who who wants to see value maybe in 3 months i think you know they even take solutions as pocs that they want to prove and you know a large part of what we do in a pre sales cycle is also to say that in 3 months you can see only x percent roi mm. you know 
you can't expect the world to change in a three month cycle as well i'm sure that you know we'll we'll do some incremental change the idea is to keep doing more incremental changes mm. as you go along because um, and and then you know after some point even if i'm giving you say a percent increment in change every month after that every percent change you know after 6 months would become much more increasingly tougher oh that's the well. compounding effect you would imagine yeah, right so yeah. i have this favorite slide i use where uh, i'm sure people have seen this index as well the 1.01 raised to 365 is the nature of how retention really works there's no overnight big shift but you keep doing a good job at the end of the year you have a lot of value created right there are people who want to see change happen immediately i think large part of our place to at least tell them what's a good change versus what is more ambitious hmm. probably you will fail you know and and then you will think that retention doesn't work for you you know but it's it's largely keeping that goal push very far away sure. in a very short time period hmm. i think i would say and there are these other customers who are fairly okay to see those changes happen uh probably you know having a goal post is important i think more importantly than you know not having a goal post uh whether it's over ambitious or whether you calibrate it along the way is impo- uh, is something that you would want to see um uh, so if i have something that i want to meet in 6 months and you know i'm at least at the 3 month duration i'm halfway or maybe you know 40% there then at least i know that there is a part to uh you know reaching that 100% that you want to be somewhere would you saying uh, saying i would interpret in a fashion where the degree of conviction on the weather side of things whether i should adopt martech or not is still somewhere on the fence and you will be a little hesitant about all of these initiatives and start looking at roi on a very very short term kind of basis and get into question marks pretty often in the journey but on the other side if you have that level of conviction which is maybe built top down and then you know that okay you have to adopt to all of this the how part of optimizing incrementally and getting those uh, wins is probably still something to be discovered and figured out right is that the right framework to right, look at right, this right you know because some some sense while uh, going digital seemed to be an option before covid maybe but pretty much everybody now knows that that's not an option it's a must do okay. likewise perhaps for using user engagement and uh, you said the customer has options and he's spoiled by the experience of what uh, amazon offers or what a netflix offers so a modern organization also has to go through the same journey and for him the weather is not in question anymore the how can still be figured out over time right i'm sure and uh, just to add uh, out there putting in the right resources is much more important i think uh, you know out there and you know even on the education side coming back to the topic where we started this whole conversation around uh, we are putting in efforts to make sure that education is being done right um, there are initiatives like the retention academy uh, you know webengage academy that we have now uh, to make sure that we are creating more curated content mm-hmm. uh, for individuals and not just content talking about webengage but it's content in general around how to think retention first hmm. um and that's very important out there no yeah i would imagine this from the lens that this is a problem that can be solved using this kind of an approach is also not necessarily straightforward because people have not seen this before done this before if they are going about this journey for the first time there's a lot of discovery and learning curve but having said that there's also enough case studies and stories of the early adopters because you're not in day 1 we're at least somewhat down the road there right so you know what were the early adopters uh, successes like if you were to name some of them that this guy or maybe x guy delivered 5x or 10x or 20x on this particular metric and that inspired the 20 other guys to start following him you know again every vertical we have seen some of those early adopters and uh, some of those champion customers so to say 
um, I recollect, I think, while we were still building journeys, there were the likes of a textbook or a Goibibo or some of these other customers who said that we want this, even if it's not ready. Whenever it's ready, we want to be the first ones to adopt this. Sure. They were the ones who also challenged us that, you know, this is my problem statement. You tell me how it's being solved on the platform. Sure. And, uh, you know, certain features, components were also built to suit their needs, I think. Uh, I see that same blend, be it textbook or a Goibibo, for example. Both the customers have product teams that were involved sure. uh, in the whole orchestration, in the whole you know planning in terms of what needs to be done, how it needs to be done, things like those. And to date, I mean, you know, uh, it's been what I think around five six years of our journey designer uh, when we released uh, uh, journeys, and uh, they have been great customers in terms of, and they they are still demanding. They, the demands don't they, stop. They better yet. be right. Right. So they know exactly what changes they need to do. Uh, very good structures, for example, a GoIBibo or a GoMMT as a group has built in terms of how they look at problem statements or look at teams. So, for example, there would be a team for domestic flies, which would have its own pod, uh, which would have a product manager, which would have a marketing manager, which would have a retention guy, everyone. Hmm. They might still be overlapping the same product guy, probably might be for domestic as well as international flies, for example. But you know, they are responsible for all metrics related to flights. Which is the new fashionable growth teams as we hear often, right? This is not just a marketer, but this is also an engineer, potentially a product guy, an analytics guy, perhaps a campaign guy, all sitting out of the same pod, which then has a certain KPI. Right. In fact, uh, in the Investex slash new banking segment, in my impression, the whole growth is actually about maximizing value from customers that have been acquired. Right. So, Kheer, uh, you've now, what, crossed 100 odd people in the team? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a massive setup and you know, given the talent supply is the way it is and the amount of education and training that's needed, not just on the tool side of things, but also on the macro level approach and business KPIs. Help us understand how you building capabilities and how you really equipping people to think like a retention marketer. We are looking at people doing more and more, being expert at what they do at the end of the day. I think we started with, you know, few odd members uh, when I started a team eight years ago, 200 people, but now from everyone doing you know everything to having more compartmentalized team is where we have gone through mm. i'm sure that that's how you know i will look at team structures i'm sure that you know when when the company is small uh, be it us or be it any of the other customers as well you might have a few people doing a bunch of things i think you know but it's important i think to know where you would be at some point in time when you scale and then you build build experts for each of those jobs so you know, we slowly forked off, for example, a support team out there who are just doing support work. And then, you know, we had built uh, onboarding practice because we saw that, you know, there is a need to solve. And we were probably the one of the first ones to build uh, onboarding teams, so, so to say. I remember back then we did not even have those roles. Like, it was very hard to even look for onboarding talent out there because you did not have so many companies who had a dedicated onboarding team but that paid off very well in the long run because we knew that we are we you know in most cases the success team was just stuck in making sure that the onboarding is done right and that in itself is a talent to look for Mm. and uh, you know we needed more techno-functional resources out there the moment I removed probably cowed out the onboarding team and possibly within that team now we have a technical resource and a project management resource separately. So Mm -hmm. even that own team has evolved over a period of time, uh, so to say. So it's very important to create those structures 
uh, and people doing the job right for you know that particular task at mm. the end of the day and then you know the success is just focused on probably consulting mm. uh, out there and the support team definitely is there and then we we built a solutions team or an implementation team campaign management team uh, things like those and that's where you know now each one has their own expertise has their own charter has their own kpis and you know cohesively come together to make sure that the problem gets solved for a particular customer but a large part is where education plays a lot lot of importance you mm. know um, at the end of the day making sure that you know whoever joins in a particular team or whoever joins new in a particular customer if they are educated right i think that's where we see that people take off really well so internally as well as externally i think we have we have put in a lot of effort in terms of educating the people right i think a lot of initiatives that we have done with your team are in in that light you know so given that talent supply is uh, largely the same pool of people who are probably a few years out of college maybe done some work in performance marketing maybe some content marketing efforts and now they are taking retention more seriously because it makes sense and there is career prospects here from a training delta that you spoke about is there a place to hire from that you found like a great source of good people or is there a sort of training module that is available or you built internally for your purpose which is becoming relevant for uh, an accelerated you know journey of evolving into a good retention marketer right because the demand supply equation still seems to be lopsided there's way more need in the market than there is supply right so right. how do you see that solved over a period of time we realized that whether i get a 3 year person 3 year experience or whether i get a 1 year experience i think you know or, or a 6 years experience if they don't come from a similar background or they have not done retention for the first time i think the amount of time that i spend with them is very similar in terms of them graduating to a certain level hmm. so i think we we have started investing early on for people who are probably fresh out of college have that enthusiasm as well and the right pedigree uh, to take on some of these challenges and invested in them in terms of their training as well so what we used to use as our internal training material i think a lot more lot of those have now been fairly structured and now what is the retention you know slash uh, web engage academy kind of hmm. course structure that we have built starts off with uh, you know more basics about retention and you know marketing automation but you know going forward definitely we'll add more courses uh, which are more specific to individuals to specific teams within the companies as well mm. uh, while you know some of the course structure that we use internally might be different because those are more team specific courses mm. but when we look at you know packaging that for the world uh, for anyone who wants to learn about web engage or you know retention in general uh, will package it slightly differently which are more suited for the kind of roles that are there externally as well the so web engage academy is just one of the initiatives there are so many workshops that we are conducting mm. uh you know in a more physical or you know digital format as well uh making sure that education becomes a very large part of the play uh, at the end of the day pretty much a need of the hour because like we understood the the demand versus the supply there's a massive gap and the only way to accelerate that supply will end up being by academic interventions yeah so thank you so much kayur glad to be having you had this conversation so well this was one interesting conversation a few things that stood out for me very interestingly The fact that digital transformation is no more a good to have but a must have and using the right martech stack will end up being critical for you. The second part being about being more sure-footed but slow and steady instead of trying to rush through ROI calculations very quickly in your journey because it's a compounding game at the end of the day. 
The third part for me is in terms of empowering the teams with the right level of authority to move things across the board that they need to because otherwise it's not a one person play. The other thing which is also interesting to understand which is around the idea of looking at business impact metrics beyond what campaign metrics look like. Right, so look at your ROI not just from the lens of open rates and click rates but what kind of dollar value impact that you're making on your business. Lastly and most importantly in fact is the aspect of education. The talent supply in this ecosystem is still early days. We'll do our effort to make that better but you've got to do that too. Thank you.